We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Functional faith. The word functional means to work. And for many of us, that's the problem. Our faith, in other words, what we believe to be true, what we read in the Bible, what we hear messages like this, podcasts, what we, what we believe God says is true, we can believe it and know it here, and it could even get in here, but unless it gets down to here, where we're able to walk it out and to work it out into everyday life, it doesn't work. James, I love what James says. I love James as a straight shooter. I like straight shooters. Anybody else like straight shooters? I don't like having to try to figure out what you really mean. In fact, that's one of my pet peeves. If I've got to work too hard to try to figure out what you really mean, what you're trying to tell me, that doesn't work for me. I like it. You know what? Just give it to me straight. And that's one of the reasons I love the book of James. James doesn't beat around the bush. He gives it to us straight. In fact, he said it like this. He says, a faith that doesn't work is no faith at all. Like in other words, you need to put it to work. Faith in action in our life is what makes faith, what we believe, actually work and become real. And so we need to close the gap. For many of us, there's this gap in our Christian life and in our faith where we take this thing called Christianity and we're trying to follow Jesus to the best that we can, but there's these gaps between what we know and how it works in our everyday life. And so we've been going through each week, and this week I wanna to bring to you a topic that I think is very heavy. It feels overwhelming, it feels impossible, and for many of us, we've given up on this idea. In fact, we, we just kind of lived our life and moved on and gone on, and for others of us, we've actually taken this idea and we've made it religion. We've, we've put it into action in our life to where it becomes something that we strive for, we work hard for, and we actually uh, feel a sense of accomplishment too, and, and it's what makes us feel right before God. This thing that I'm talking about today that I want to talk to you about is how do I become holy? How do I become holy? And even that word holy, I think, scares us oftentimes to think about what that really means. But when we read the Bible, um, the Bible says, and it's clear, that be holy even as I am holy. And so we can read scriptures like that and feel this, this sense of, oh my gosh, like, I'm not good enough, I'm not going to measure up, I can never be this thing called holy. And that word scares us, but let me tell you what that word actually means. That word holy means to be set apart. In fact, it was really cool, I love how, how God works, and this morning in our time of pre-service prayer with all of our teams before service, um, one of our elders, Ron Brunk, he, he brought a word of encouragement. And in that word of encouragement, he, brought, he said, I believe that God wants to remind you that you are consecrated. You are holy. You're set apart for a special work of service. That's exactly what this word holy means. It means that you've been called by God. You've been set apart from the world unto God to do something for God that he's called you to do. In fact, when God was preparing the Israelites to come into the promised land, and I love the Old Testament because it's a, it's a beautiful picture of the plan and purpose for God in our life, and that God has promises for you and for me, and we see those promises. For many of us, we, we're holding on to those promises. For many of us, we have those promises written down in our journals. We've been prophesied promises from God. We have scriptures that God has spoken to our heart that we're holding on to, but the reality is, is we're not seeing it in our everyday life. And, and the promised land was a beautiful picture of the promise that God had for his people. And when the Israelites were about to cross into that land, you see, because there has to be a moment in time where you make a decision that I'm leaving my old life behind and I'm crossing over and I'm coming into uncharted territory. And that's exactly what trying to live a holy life looks like. We don't know how to do it. It feels uncomfortable. It feels impossible. They were going into a land where there was many giants. They were, they were outnumbered. There was no way that they could defeat the enemies that were in their land. In fact, and then God, God says this, I have given you the land. 
And you're like, awesome, God, thank you. And he said, but you're going to have to go in and take it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is it you gave it to me or is it I have to take it? Which one is it? And he says, it's both. I am giving it to you, yet you need to go in and possess it. And before they go into the promised land, he said, consecrate yourselves today. When God is moving in your life and he's about to move and he's about to do something, he's always going to ask you to consecrate yourself. In other words, set yourself apart. You can't live the way you used to live if you're going to step into the things that God has for you in today and in the future. And he said, consecrate yourself for tomorrow. I'm going to do amazing things among you. This is the reason why some of us were not seeing the miracles and the amazing things that God has promised you and you and you and you and you in your life is because we haven't allowed this thing, holiness, to come in. He says, consecrate yourself. For tomorrow, I'm going to do amazing things for you. And then he says something significant. Every place that you put your foot, I've already given you. He's given it to us, this thing called holiness, but you need to step into it. One step at a time, one foot in front of another. Little by little, we are holy and we become holy. So I want to bring some truth to this really challenging, weighty. There, there's a weight that comes with holiness. And yet some of us, we can crumble under that weight and feel like we're not enough. We'll never be enough. I'll never be able to attain to this thing called holiness, which is really godliness. And so for many of us, here's what we do. We start on this journey with Christ, and we begin on it. And what we realize is that even in our new life, there's still an old part of us that's very present. The Bible calls this term the flesh. It's our old man, our sinful nature. And so this is where we get disillusioned in our walk with God. For many of us, we think, well, the Bible says I'm a new creation, that all things have become made new. But then if I'm new, and if I'm holy, why do I still struggle with some of my same old habits and sin and, and stuff that just keeps holding on to me from my past? And what we don't understand is that day by day, it's this process of being holy and becoming holy. So we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to the church in Ephesus and trying to help them understand this difference between What's God's part and what's our part? And we're going to look at Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 22 through 24. I'm going to read to you out of the NIV. He said this, You were taught with regard to your former way of life. That's the life that we just described before. You knew Christ. To put off your old self. Now watch the language that Paul is using here. It's very important that you get this. Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Stay right there with me for a minute. Being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Well, wait a minute. I thought the old man was dead. So then why, why is it that I can keep being corrupted by its deceitful desires? Paul is saying, look, you have to put off that old way of life. It's something that you have to intentionally do. It's a daily moment-by-moment -moment choice that I have to Take off the old man. I have to intentionally step into my new life instead of being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And this is part of the problem. For too many of us, we don't understand the process that God has put in place for us to become more like him. And because we don't understand God's plan and process, we keep getting corrupted by the deceitful desires of our old life. And it's like, holding us back from becoming the people that God has called us to be. And he goes on to say this in verse 23. To be made new in what? The attitude of your mind. It reminds me of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, don't be conformed to the image of this world. You see, this is the tension of the Christian life. Every single day, your old life and the world is trying to hold you back and pull you back and keep you in your old life and God is saying, no, the way that we change is we change in the new attitude in our mind, the way we see ourselves in Christ, who God's called us to be, our new identity in him and who God is and exactly what God has given us to be able to live a holy life. And in verse 24, he says this, 
and to put on. Look at that. That's something that we have to intentionally do, choose to do, moment by moment, day by day, and put on the new self, created to be like God. Can I tell you something? You were created to be like God. Genesis chapter 1. God made man in his image and in his likeness. Before sin ever entered the world and perverted what God created. You see, sin tries to pervert everything that God created and said was good and was holy. Before Adam and Eve sinned, they were like God and they were holy before God. And sin perverted what God created. This is why some of us, our lives don't look the way that God created us and made us to be. And we're, we, we get frustrated because inside of you, deep down inside of you, you know that God has created you for something so much more. In fact, that was part of my journey, moving towards God in my life as a 19-year-old, just graduated, was confused, about my life, turn, had so much pain, hurt, rejection, insecurity inside of me. And I was grasping for things to fill that void. And I remember coming home from a party at 2 a.m., staring at the ceiling, couldn't sleep at night. Just this, this ache inside of me that knew. I said out loud, there's gotta be more to life than this. Something inside of me knew that I was created for something greater. Something inside of me knew that I was made for something more. Something inside of me knew that there was a better life ahead, but I didn't know how to get there. It's this thing called holiness. And so how do we get there? I think we can learn from this passage of Scripture, and I want to try to unpack for you how God makes us holy. The first thing is this. I want to let you know that you're already holy, not yet. You're already holy, not yet. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Lance? Am I holy or am I not yet holy? Am I holy or am I not let <laughs> holy? I'm confused. Which is it? Am I holy or am I not yet holy? Yes? You see, sometimes there's this tension that we want to know. Am I holy? Am I not yet holy? Which is it? And can I tell you that it is both and. It's not either or. You're not not holy, and you're not holy. You are holy, and you're not yet holy. Both at the same time. And how can that be? Well, I'm going to show you. So sit back, grab a pen, and take some notes. The first thing that you need to understand is the reason that you are holy right now is because we are positionally holy. Position means where you're standing, where you are. Now, someday the Bible says that all of us are going to have to stand positionally before the throne of God and give an account for our life. Now, I don't know about you, but that's just slightly intimidating to me. And yet there is this reality that we, we positionally have to stand and give an account for how we used our life. What we did on November 16th? Is that right? 15th. I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> what we did on November 16th, did we sit at home and, and you know, watch Netflix with a big bowl of Captain Crunch in a, in a salad bowl with the milk and tart carton right there, nice and warm and our little Snuggie pulled up? Did we sit at home and do that and sewed into our old way of life or are we stepping into the new life that God has for us? those daily decisions. But you are holy because you are holy positionally. In other words, you're standing before God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your position before God right now, this moment, is that you are holy. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21, and I'll tell you the reason why you can be in a position to be holy. It says this, God made him, meaning Jesus, who had no sin, to be a sin offering for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, if you could go back to that, that scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, I believe it's the last verse, verse 24. Look, look at what Paul says. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in what? True righteousness and holiness. Righteousness and holiness. You need to understand the difference, that you need both righteousness 
and holiness. Righteousness is about your position and right standing before God. We can be righteous before God, not because or based on our works, our performance, how much we haven't sinned, the good that we've done, but because of the good that Jesus did. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful. We're going to look at, look at, pull up that scripture in Ephesians and what Paul is reminding them that not only was Jesus made the next scripture, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Look at this. It says this, for it is by grace that you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a very gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So can I tell you something? That when we accept what Jesus did on the cross, he became sin for me. You see, here's the problem in our relationship with God. The very character and nature of God is that he is holy. In fact, the response of us responding to a holy God just like Isaiah, when he had this vision of being in the very presence of God and the throne of God, he fell down on his face and he said, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips amongst a people with unclean lips. See, being in the very presence of holiness, and I think sometimes we've, I think we've lost this a little bit in the church, that when this becomes routine and, and, it, and, and religious, by the way, which it can be, that we can miss out on the sacredness of what God wants to do. That every time that we gather, we're in the presence of a holy God. Because my Bible says that wherever two or more gathered, there I am in the midst of them. And so this, you're sitting on holy ground. This is a holy place. This is a holy moment. The presence of God is here. And our response, quite frankly, shouldn't be, what are we gonna do after service? Where are we gonna eat? Check my Facebook. Uh, play Candy Crush, whatever, I'm, no condemnation on anybody, just saying that just maybe God wants to restore some holiness back to your life, my life, and to the church. But we have to understand, if we're gonna, if we're gonna understand the scene, I think this is where a lot of people don't, under, don't understand, they don't understand grace. And here's the problem with not understanding grace. You either there's two responses to grace and there's two responses to holiness and the first one is this we could receive grace say yes amen thank you and say i'm going to heaven and continue to live our old way of life and to continue to live a life of sin and and we could just be like you know what we're good i'm going to heaven i come to church i do the thing can i tell you something don't mistake being holy with being around the holy See, even in the Old Testament, the story of Elisha, the prophet Elijah, Elisha was Elijah's servant. He was around a holy man. He was around miracles. He was around some amazing supernatural things that God did. Some of the most amazing miracles in the Bible were done by the prophet Elijah. Elisha was his servant. He was around him all the time. He was around the holy man. And somehow he saw that and his response was, I want to be a holy man. And he followed after God. But Elisha's servant was a, a man named Gehazi. And he was around the holy man. He saw him do some amazing miracles. And one miracle in particular was uh, Naaman, the king, came to him and he had leprosy. And Elijah told him to go dip in the water ten times and you'll be healed. And even Naaman just kind of discounted it. Like, he, he didn't even come out. He told Gehazi to go out and tell Naaman. And Naaman was a little insulted. Like, he couldn't even come out and tell me that? Really, is this going to work? And some of Naaman's servants had to say, hey, if that's what the man of God told you to do, maybe you should just go try it. And so he does, and he gets miraculously healed of leprosy. And then he comes back to Elijah, and he says to him, he says, what can I give my servant? He wanted to give him a gift. He wanted to give him some land. And Elijah said, no, I didn't do this to get something from you. I did it because there's a holy God that loves you and cares about you. And, and Naaman says, now your God will become my God. And yet Gehazi, even seeing this happen, secretly goes to him and asks him for a gift. You see, don't mistake being around the holy for becoming holy. How does that relate to you and me? That means you could come to a service just like this. You could go to a connect group. You could read your Bible. You could be in praise and worship. And you could mistake 
being in the holy from becoming holy. See, holiness is not on the outside. It's not external. It's something that has to happen to you on the inside. It's something that when we become born again, God puts his Holy Spirit inside of you to lead you and guide you into this process of you're holy now, but you're also becoming holy. For it is grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift. Not so that we can boast that we could do works or anything to deserve it. God gives us this beautiful thing and he says, I declare you holy, not based off of what you do, but based off of what Jesus did. It's not, I add Jesus to my old life, and now I have Jesus on top of the way I used to live. No, Jesus plus nothing. It's Jesus and everything. Jesus changed everything. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that Jesus not only died for me, but he died as me, and he took on all my sin, nailed it to the cross, and he made a declaration, and he said, it is finished, paid in full, complete. But it doesn't end there. And then he said, and I'm going to give you all my goodness, all my righteousness, my sinless life, I'm going to impute to you. That's the grace of God. Not only did he um, take our punishment for sin, and he canceled the debt of sin, but he gave us his grace. Come on, that deserves, I'm wondering if there's somebody here this morning that would stand to their feet and give Jesus some praise. That should get you excited this morning. Come on, Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. Thank you for your goodness, God. Thank you for your grace, God. You deserve it more than enough. You're more than enough. Come on, thank you. You may be seated. We have to understand that it's been grace that we've been saved. We don't deserve this. But here's the problem. For many of us, we don't see ourselves that way. I remember... Um, I had a, I was in business for years before I became a pastor vocationally, and I was serving in the church, leader in the church, but I, um, I supported my family. I had a couple of car lots, and um, don't judge. <laughs> and I did that for years, and it was, it was a real struggle and a grind, and actually one of the things that um, God did in my life as I obeyed him when he told me one time to go on a mission trip to New York City with this church, and we, uh, there's a, a ministry there called Metro Ministries. Amazing ministry. Uh, Bill Wilson uh, leads that ministry, and he's actually the guy or one of the guys who started this thing called Su Sidewalk Sunday School. And he would come to our church once a year and talk about all the amazing things that God was doing in New York City through their ministry there called Metro Ministries. And, um, and we did a, a mission trip there I was in like the worst season. My business was struggling financially. I was struggling. Um, I was really concerned about my future. I didn't know, I honestly didn't know what was gonna happen in the future. I, I was in jeopardy of losing my business, which would have meant I would have lost my house. Everything was leveraged on my business. And yet in the middle of that, God says, go on this mission trip. And so I had a choice. Do I just do what I think I need to do for myself or do I obey God? And this is actually part of the way that God makes us holy is through obedience. When he give, tells you to do something and he gives you a word that you have to understand there's life in it. In fact, it was, it was funny when I told somebody, I won't mention their name, um, but when I told somebody, they asked me, what are you preaching on this week? And I said, how to be holy. And I said, does that mean I can't cuss anymore? And, <laughs> and I said, Probably. Talk to God about that. But, but I think that's the way most of us think when we hear how do we become holy. Our immediate response or reaction is, what do I have to give up? Like, I'm not going to be happy. Like, I'm going to have to give up something, a part of my life that I kind of like and kind of makes me happy. And I'm afraid if I let go of that and step into what God has, I'm not gonna be happy. It's gonna be like restricting to me. And for a lot of young people, this really messes with them because they think that if they fully give their life to God, and I believe there's some of you in this room that the, the Spirit of God will speak to you on this, that if I fully go all in with God, that means I'm gonna have to give up all my fun and my youth. And I actually thought that when I thought about going on this mission trip, I was like, I don't really wanna do that, but I said yes to God. And, 
as a result of going on that mission trip, on that mission trip, I met um, a man and his wife who ended up becoming one of my closest friends. And on the bus ride to go pick up kids to do sidewalk Sunday school, um, he started telling me about this new business that he was involved in and, and starting. And, um, and he recognized that I, I had, there was some gifting in me and he said, you'd make an amazing salesman. I said, man, I've never done high tech sales before. Like, you know, I've, I've done car sales, but I don't know anything about working with people in corporate America and stuff like that. And he says, well, you should try it. And I'm like, all right. So I turned in my application and resume and I actually was embarrassed to turn it in because I thought there's no way, like you, you don't understand, like these people were meeting with top executives from you know, companies like Verizon and AT&T and Sprint. And so I thought, man, I've got no business even applying for this job. My resume was a joke compared to what they're probably looking for, but I put it in anyway. And, um, and I got a phone call from the vice president of the company and he, and he set up an interview with me. And I even look back and I'm like, this is crazy because during the interview, you know, he's asking me about my experience and, you know, why they should consider hiring me for this position. And all I, I just prayed beforehand. I said, God, you, you're going to have to give me, like, what to say because I really don't have experience in what they're looking for. And, um, and so I just, I just told them, listen, my background's in psychology. I work with people every day. I have to work in challenges and conflict and resolve things. And I said, I know I've never done high-tech sales before, but I can tell you this, I know people and I know how to work with people. And so I believe if you give me this opportunity, I'll be able to do it and do it really well and, and be a blessing to your company. And he didn't say a whole lot. That was the end of that. I thought, that's over. There's no way I'm getting that job. Well, I get another interview and another one. And finally, I get a, a job offer from this company. And I couldn't believe it. Like I knew this had to be a God thing because God was opening this door because I'm not qualified for this role, and, and I was actually nervous. At one point, I almost didn't take the job. And by the way, if I didn't take that job, I don't know that I'd even be up here preaching to you because it was one of the things that God used in my life to shape me and to form me into who I am today. And I almost didn't take the job because I'm like, I'm gonna fail. This is way too big of a job for me. I don't know what I'm doing. I might mess this up, but there was something inside of me that said, God opened the door, I need to step through it in faith. And so I did. And can I tell you, for the first three months, um, what I started to do is, because I had a corporate job now, I would put on a suit and tie, and I would drive to the office in Creston, and uh, I would go in, and they, they saw me come in with a suit and tie, and they're, like, laughing at me, like, literally. Because they're, like, in jeans and, you know, just regular casual clothes because it's an office job, and you're on the phone a lot. And nobody sees you a lot. You're not going to a meeting. And I would dress up in a suit and tie and come. Why did I do that? I did it. I don't know how many of you remember a book that came out in 1977 called Dress for Success. And it was based off this finding that before you actually feel like you're successful or that you're prepared for business, how you dress or what you put on gets you in the right mindset to step into who you really are and what you're called to. I think that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. Put off the old self and actually put on the new self. This is the problem. Too many of us don't see ourselves as holy when God actually calls you holy. He calls you righteous. You're the righteousness of Christ. Look at it, it says, for his grace you've been saved. Not through faith, it's not from yourself, it's a gift that Jesus gave you. But you need to begin to see yourself that way. Those first six months were rough, man. I came in my suit and tie, I remember one time I was on the phone with an executive from HP and my, um, my technical sales guy, who, who's the guy to help you um, technically, if, you have, if there's technical questions, he was on the phone with this sales call. I'm on the phone with this high-level executive from HP trying to sell him our product. We get off the phone. He calls me up. He's like, dude, that was terrible. He's like, that was the worst sales pitch I ever heard. <laughs> I was bad. I thought I was going to get fired. I didn't even know. How, I didn't tell him. I didn't even know how to use Microsoft Outlook or Word or any of that stuff. And so these guys are sending me stuff, and they're like, yeah, just do this. And I'm like, how do I do that? And I mean, it was this uncomfortable process, but I stuck with it. 
day by day by day, I wasn't who I was going to be, but I was stepping a little bit more progressively into who God was making me to be. And so this is my second point to you. Not only are you holy right now, but you're also not yet holy. You are progressively becoming holy. This isn't perfection, it's, a, it's progress. We're not looking for perfection. God isn't looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for you to take steps towards him of progress because he's progressively making you holy. You are positionally holy, and yet our character needs to change to become more like Christ. There's things from our past, there's our old way of living, that if we don't understand God's process of making us holy, we won't engage in it. We'll give up on it. Can I tell you the, how many times I sat in that office and I felt like a failure? I felt overwhelmed. I felt like a fool. And yet I, there was something in me that said, don't give up. Keep going. Keep putting one foot in front. Keep showing up. That's what I tell people sometimes. I remember, you know, one time I was praying with a young man. He came up to me right after service, and he just bawling his eyes out and said, man, I've just messed up so much. I've messed up my life. I don't know what to do. He's like, can you tell me? And he's probably looking for something really profound, you know, from the pastor and very spiritual and everything. And I, I looked him dead in the eye and I said, just keep showing up. Every day. Show up. Step more and more into the things that God has for you. Look at this scripture, Philippians 2. And this is where we have to understand. God gave you the gift of righteousness, but it doesn't end there. This is the part we don't get. We think we don't understand God's part and our part. God's part and our part. God has had a part. In fact, because God is all holy and he's all just, he cannot stand in the presence of sin. So he had to have a sacrifice for sin to remove the penalty and punishment of sin from you and from me. Why? So he could restore us back to the way he created us to be, holy, so that he could have a real relationship with you and me, and he could walk just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden, in the cool of the day, in relationship every day. He had to remove that out of the way. It's like when Jesus hung on the cross and his arms were, were stretched out like that, it was like, because of what he did on the cross, he was able to take the hand of God and he was able to take our hand and he was able to bring the two back together in relationship because he removed the barrier of sin and unrighteousness. And he declared us holy. But it doesn't end there. It actually begins there. And that's the part we don't get. That now you and I have a responsibility to become holy. It's a process. It's the process of becoming. You are today not yet what you're going to be tomorrow, but the way that we become what we're going to be tomorrow is we step one step closer. It's this thing, Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Here's the difference between God's part and our part. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, keyword obeyed, Part of how we become holy is we learn to obey what God is telling us to do. When you obey his voice, just like I had to make a decision, am I going to go with my gut instinct and stay with my business, or am I going to obey what God is telling me to do and go on this mission trip? That ultimately changed the direction and path of my life and led me into the destiny which God called me to be. But I had a choice, just like you and I have a choice. Are you going to obey God's word, or are you going to obey your own self, your old self? He says, as much as you've always been, look at this, not only in my presence publicly, but in my absence. So here's part of the problem. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They ran from God and they covered themselves. They tried to create their own goodness, their own righteousness. And this is the problem with religiosity. And this is, this is going to set some of you free this morning because some of us, we are working so hard and striving. And some of you, I believe, even online, to win the approval of God when God says, you already have it. I'm not fighting for victory over sin. I'm fighting from victory of sin because what Jesus did on the cross, I'm not 
working to become a child of God. I already am a child of God. I'm not working to receive the favor of God. I already have the favor of God. I'm not working to receive the blessing of God. I already have the blessing of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. He says this, not only in my presence. This is why we could come to a service like this and we could cover up our sin. We could cover up all the ugliness that we don't want other people to sin and we could appear righteous. Hey, just go to, go to Instagram and look at me. Look at how righteous I am. Look at this shot with me with my open Bible with a cup of coffee by the fireplace. And I'm just, man, I'm in the presence of God. And I'm holy. And we love to give that appearance that we're good. And yet the reality is, is inside we're not. We know we have this tension between what God says about us and who we really are. He says this, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Pastor Lance. I thought you just said, I don't have to work for my salvation. That's right, you don't. It was a gift. Paul isn't saying, work for your salvation. He said, work out your salvation. In other words, salvation has been given to you, a gift on the inside. That's the holiness. You have the Holy Spirit birthed inside of you, that life inside of you. Now you need to learn to let it work out into every area of your life. When you go to work, let salvation work itself out in the context of your work. When you're in your marriage, let salvation work itself out in the context of your marriage. The, one of the words for salvation in the Bible is the word sozo, the Greek word sozo. It doesn't mean to just be saved like I'm going to heaven. It actually has this connotation that I'm saved and I'm continually being saved. I'm saved from destruction, but I'm also delivered from sin. I'm set free from bondage. I am, I am delivered. I'm set free. I am made whole. When we read the word perfect, Jesus said, be perfect even as my heavenly Father is perfect. And we look at that and we say, oh my gosh, that's impossible. Guess what? That's exactly what he wants you to feel. Why? Because until you realize that you're a jacked up sinner and that you need a savior to be able to do this, that I can't do it, I've got nothing in me that can be holy. That's what makes you fall down on your knees and fall down on your face before God and say, God, I desperately need you. I need more of your Holy Spirit inside of me. I need more of your grace. God, there's no way I can do this. I need you. Every single day, every moment, it makes us realize our dependency on God, and that's exactly what he's after. That's exactly what he's trying to get your attention, that you're leaving me out of parts of your life. Holiness is meant to be worked into all of your life, not just when you come to church, not when you do churchy things, but every part of your life. He goes on to say this in the next verse, verse 13. Now we can think, I've got to work this out, man. Yeah, all right, Pastor Lance, I'm ready. I'm ready to work it out, but check it out. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So you think, man, I've got to make it on our own and we could creep into the side of works and religiosity where, man, I just need to strive. I need to work harder. I've got to read more books. I've got, to, I've got to go to church more. All those things, trust me, all those things are good. But the reality is it's God that's working in you as you're working it out. So we do this in relationship together. It is God in you day by day, step by step, little by little working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do, are we afraid of God? Are we trembling because there's fear that if I don't do this right, God's gonna cast me out of his presence? No, we do it in fear and trembling because we have a holy reverence that this is a holy process that God ordained and I need to take it serious. And that's part of our problem. Some of us are not taking this serious enough. In fact, the Lord showed me as I was praying for you and praying for this service that there were going to be some of you here that you've tried to change. Like you've genuinely wanted to change and you've made an effort and, and you didn't see the change. And so you got frustrated and your frustration led to despair, which is hopelessness. And your hopelessness led you to just give up and say, oh, well, I, get, I guess that's how God made me, and, and I'm never going to get past this thing in my life. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to believe. 
that you can never defeat it, you can never overcome it, yet my Bible says that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. That you're made to be the head, not the tail. That you're an overcomer. You're not underneath, you're overcoming. You're going over it. And you're going over it because the very spirit of the living God is inside of you. And any time that you make a decision, I'm not giving up. I'm gonna keep moving forward. But sometimes you have to do this. I love what Jack Hayford says. He was talking to a bunch of pastors one time. And uh, Jack Hayford's one of my personal heroes of the faith. Love that man. And one time he was with some pastors and they said, hey, tell us your secret to your success. And he said something so profound that I think we need to get. When Paul was talking about put off the old man and put on the new, there's really, that is a profound statement that before we can become, we have to believe. And Jack, you have to actually believe that you can become holy, that you can overcome that sin that you can become more like Christ. How does that happen? Little by little, he said this. He says, make decisions against yourself. He says, I make decisions against myself. What does that mean? (laughs) Let me tell you what it means. It means every time your old self tries to tell you and dictate to you what to do, and this is hard because we've been so conditioned and conformed by this world that our natural not supernatural, but our natural inclination is to naturally slip back into those old patterns, those old habits, those old sins, and to intentionally break that old pattern, we have to step into the new person that God has made us to be. So it starts with seeing yourself as holy. This this was exactly the problem with Jacob. You remember the story in the Old Testament of Jacob? His name actually means deceiver. Con artist, and he acted on what he believed he was. Too many of us are acting on the belief that you're an addict, you're a liar, you're a deadbeat dad, you're a no good husband, you're a terrible mother, you're a terrible wife. What you think you are, remember, you're changed by the attitude of your mind. We're not conformed to the uh, pattern of this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. So it starts with, you've got to see you the way that God sees you. But once you see yourself that way, your actions begin to follow. I put on a suit every day and went to work, and when I went, even though I wasn't a good businessman, I actually felt like a good businessman. And after a while, my belief caught up to me, and I actually became a good businessman, and actually was the top-selling salesman out of the whole company. That was because God was with me, but it was a process every single day, even when I didn't feel like it. There'd be times I'd be driving to work, and I'd say, man, I don't. I don't deserve this. This is me. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel comfortable. Some of you said that holiness doesn't feel comfortable to you. Let me tell you that you need to continually step into it until you become holy. You're in the process of becoming. Look at this. But whenever a person turns in repentance and faith, and here's the key, repentance and faith together, See, Adam and Eve turned away from God. And that's our natural inclination. We turn away from God. We don't want to bring our stuff to God. We don't want to bring it to people. So we, we hide it. We learn to work around it in our life. We learn to just kind of put it in a compartment of our soul and just say, yeah, we'll just work around this. We'll go to church. We'll go to connect group. I'll go to small group. I'll share some things, but I won't share this. I won't let God touch this. Can I tell you? You're as holy as you are transparent. You're as holy as you're going to be real with God. So whenever a person turns, repentance is more than feeling sorry for what you did. It's actually more than conviction. Do you know that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin? In other words, you'll go to do something and you'll feel a conviction, and that's the Holy Spirit saying, no, that's not going to lead you into holiness. That's going to take you away from it. Step into this. That Holy Spirit inside of you is a guide to guide you in the process of becoming holy. But every time that we mess up, some of us think that God is just right there, ready to whack us, ready ready to condemn us. But I look at it like this. You ever see a father teach a son how to ride a bicycle? 
Does he get mad and scream and yell and kick the bike when they fall down and they don't get it right? No, he doesn't. What does he do? He picks them up gently. He picks up the bike. He puts them back on the bike. It's, it's okay, son. Try again. I love you. I believe in you. You can do this. You start pedaling and it's wobbling. And he says, come on, you can do it. I, I see you. You got this. That's exactly what God does for us. He sees us when we fall, and he's not there to condemn us, get in our face and say, you're no good. Look at you. Forget it. Just give up. Give me somebody else. This, this guy doesn't work. No. As a loving father, he just gently picks us up, puts us back on the road. He says, come on, keep going. You've got this. You've got this. You're my son. I believe in you. Repentance, we turn to him. It's a beautiful picture of when the prodigal son, being in the mud, being in the mire, he, he came to himself. Man, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. Some of you, today's the day where you're going to come to yourself. Today's the day where you're going you're gonna to remember who you are, who God made you to be. Some of you, you forgot who you are. There's this story uh, about a, a, a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi in this Russian city, and he was so disillusioned with God and what God was doing in his life, where he was taking him where he was going. He, on a cold winter night, snow's coming down, he just began to wander and walk the streets at like midnight. There's nobody on the streets. He's just walking and wandering for hours. And he actually doesn't even pay attention to where he's going. He, he wanders into this uh, communist police zone that, that people aren't allowed to go in. And he actually wanders in there. And this guy comes out, points a AK-47 at him and says, who are you and where are you going? And the rabbi just looks up at him in shock and he says, what did you say? He says, who are you and where are you going? And the rabbi says, how much do you get paid to do your job as a soldier? And he says, what does that have to do with you? He says, I'll pay you double whatever they pay you if you will ask me that question every single day. Because in that moment, he realized he lost who he was and he lost where he's going. You see, when you forget who you are, that you are holy, that you are righteous in God, and you'll, you will forget where God has taken you, becoming holy. Whenever that person turns in repentance and faith to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, a lot of people, this is in reference to Moses. When Moses would go and meet with God and the glory of God was shining, and some people think he was wearing a veil to keep, keep other people from being blinded by the glory. Can I tell you a secret? It wasn't. He put the veil on because he was insecure of the fact that the glory was actually fading. So he covered the fact that holiness left him or wasn't present so that other people can see it. How many of us do that? And it says that the Lord takes the veil away. He says, listen, you don't need to pretend. You don't need to perform. You don't need to put on a good face. In verse uh, 17, he says this in the Amplified Version. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. Emancipation from bondage, true freedom. Do you know that God didn't just set you free from the penalty of sin, but he actually broke the power of sin over you. And the reality is this. You're no longer a slave to sin. You don't have to succumb to the power of sin in your life. You can be free of it. And he says this, and we all, every one of us, not just for pastors, but all of us, with unveiled face. In other words, when you get real before God and you turn to him and you really say, God, I want to become holy. I want to become more like you. He'll say, then come on, let's do this. And he takes the veil away and it says this, with the unveiled face, continually, it's a process, as seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another degree of glory, which comes from the Lord, which is the Spirit. So check this out. Back to Jacob, jacked up Jacob. He thought of himself because of his name. He identified with who he was and what he did, the old man. It took him being confronted which by an angel, which by the way is a Christophany, many scholars believe, which is uh, Jesus appearing in the Old Testament as an angel. He came face to face with Jesus and Jesus confronted him 
on who he thought he was. And the Bible says that they wrestled all night long. You see, this is a wrestling. You gotta be willing to fight through insecurity and fight through your past, fight through your addiction, fight through your sin, breakthrough. You gotta be willing to wrestle with God. And it says that there was a moment where he came face to face with Jesus and it was that that transformed him, that I see God and God says something to him. Like he says, I get to a point where I will not let you go until you bless me. See, you gotta get to a point where you say, I don't care what it takes, I'm gonna become holy. I'm gonna become who God made me to be. I'm not staying this way. I'm not staying here. God's got something for me, and I am willing to stay here. I'm willing to wrestle through it. I'm willing to go through the hard stuff. I'm willing to confront sin in my life. I'm willing to confront insecurity in my life. And God, do what you wanna do. I don't care, but I'm not letting you go until you change me. And when you get to that point, and when you get to that point, he says, now you're ready. Now I can move in your life. Now I can tell you who you are. Now you can start moving in it. He says, no longer will you be called Jacob. I'm removing your old self. I'm removing your old identity. From now on, you're gonna be called Israel, which means prince of God. You're my son, you're a prince, you're a king. You're not a pauper. You're not begging me to change in life. I've already changed you. I am changing you. You gotta start seeing yourself as a prince of God. You gotta start seeing yourself as I have a power inside of me that that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And because of it, I can overcome anything that comes my way. I can become holy even as he is holy. I'm becoming. I'm not there yet, but I'm becoming. A worship team can come on up. It's a process. And God can't do it all at once, you know. When he led the Israelites into the promised land, it says that he purposely, check this out, purposely left enemies in the land. Because he said, otherwise, you'll be overwhelmed. And you know what? I kind of don't like that. <laughs> I kind of wish that like when I got saved, God just kicked them all out, all the sin out of my life, removed all the old self, all the tendencies, so I could just wander into the promised land, strut in. But no, he doesn't do it that way. And this is why some of us, God, some of you, you've even prayed, God, just remove this from me. Take it away. We want God to just take it away. That's, that's what we want, that's natural. But he doesn't just take it away, just like he didn't take away those enemies. Why? Because you need to learn to fight. You need to learn to step with God. Step into little by little. You need to learn to make decisions against yourself. Jack Hayford said that making decisions against himself, one time God told him to not eat chocolate. And he didn't eat chocolate for 30 years. Poor guy, that's probably why he looked all pruned up. I mean, I'm, I imagine when we get to heaven someday, I'm gonna ride a white chocolate unicorn. And I'm gonna like break off a piece of that and I'm gonna be riding it. And it's gonna be like chocolate waterfalls and milk chocolate and almonds. And I'm gonna dive in, take a bath in it, like Willy Wonka or something, I don't know. I can't imagine life without chocolate. Talk about being constipated. <laughs> All right, too much. But he asked himself, why God, why would you tell me not to eat chocolate? And he said, because I want you to exercise your no muscle. You see, becoming holy, you're gonna have to say no to yourself. You're gonna have to make decisions against yourself, your old self. It's kind of like going to the gym. You gotta work it out, man. You gotta go, you gotta work out your faith. You gotta work out your no muscle. There's muscle memory and at first it feels awkward it feels like you feel weak. You feel like this is impossible, I can't do this. But over time, day by day, as you continually go to the, the gym of life and work out your salvation, work out your faith, work out saying yes to Jesus as you behold him, the author and finisher of your faith. I love 
that it says as he came face to face with Jesus. Do you know that the Bible says that Jesus in John, it says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. So every time you read your Bible, you are actually coming face to face with Jesus and the Holy Spirit through the Word of God will point out things in your life. See, we don't just read the Bible, the Bible reads us. And as the truth, the Bible, my Bible says that the truth sets us free. The truth makes us holy. In fact, John, in John 1, he talks about the truth sanctifies us. It cleanses us. There's a washing of the word that over time, this summer when I went um, rafting with, with my family down the river, it was amazing to me to see these beautiful river rocks, how smooth they were, how beautiful they were. Those rocks at one time were jagged. They were rough. But over time, as the water just progressively, day after day, moment by moment, washed over those rocks, it smooths them out little by little, smooth, smooth, smooth until one day. It's a smooth rock in the hand of God to take down giant. The last part is this, and we'll close. That not only have we become holy and that we're becoming holy, but someday we will be holy. Like in this journey with Jesus, as we pursue him, and can I just tell you that Holiness is a pursuit. As you pursue Jesus more and more, you'll progressively become more and more like him. John says this, he says, see, and this is the key, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. Look at this, that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now that we are the children of God, now, right here now, you're holy, you're a child of God. He says, and what we will be has not yet been made known. Do you see that? I am, and I'm not yet. I'm in process. I'm becoming. And God has so much that he wants to do in you and through you and become in you. And it says, starts with here. He says, we have not yet been made known that when we, Christ, appears, we shall be like him and we shall see him as he is face to face. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. And as we close, there's a couple of people. I just want you to close your eyes. felt like the Lord wanted me to remind you that the reason that we even pursue holiness is because Christ pursued us. Because he loved us. And he gave his life for us. Why? Because he couldn't stand to be away from you. He couldn't stand to not be in relationship with you. That's his desire. That's his heart. He's for you. He's not against you. And yet some of you, you've allowed the enemy to beat you up so bad. You've been listening to lies that have told you you'll never be who God made you to be. You can never be holy. You can never overcome that sin. Today is the day that I believe that God wants to break those lies off of you. Remind you of who you are. When we were singing that song earlier, when the night has a hold on me, God has a hold of me. I felt like that was a prophetic, a prophetic verse for some of you to know that in the middle of what you're going through right now, God's hand is on you and he's leading you progressively little by little. Just say yes. And that means that some of you here today, and maybe you're watching online, it starts with you saying yes to Jesus. It starts by surrendering your life to him, realizing that there's, there's no amount of good that you could ever do to win God's heart and approval. You'll never be good enough. You'll never measure up. And you weren't meant to. You were meant to come to the realization that you're a sinner that needs a savior. So it starts by surrendering your life to Jesus. So I just wanna ask, with eyes closed, if there's any of you here, maybe some of you, you at one time you made that decision, but today is the day that you feel like the Lord is telling you, I need to make a recommitment. 
I need to fully surrender my life to God. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but I just want to pray for you. God bless you. Over here, I see you. Thank you. God bless you. See your hand. God bless you. Want anybody else? I believe some of you online. See your hand. God bless you. Come on, this is your moment. I want us to all just pray this prayer together. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me as me. I put my faith in him today. I surrender my life. Will you come into my life and make all things new? Forgive me of all my sin. I surrender my life and give it to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Be blessed and have a great week.